Hello and welcome to another episode of Herpetological Discussions. Uh, this is Justin Julander, and today we're going to be talking about green tree pythons. Uh, the paper that I selected today is uh, Geographic and Sexual Variations in Body Size, Morphology, and Diet Among Five Populations of Green Pythons, Moralia viridis. And this is a paper that was recently published in 2014 by uh, Daniel Natouche and Jessica Lyons. Uh, this is a continuation of their work uh, over the last several years, looking at uh, different populations of green pythons. They've done some fantastic work. Uh, Dr. Natouche uh, works at the University of Sydney, and uh, so, yeah, th this is uh, another nice example of, of great research from his lab. Um, so what they were kind of looking at was uh, investigation of anecdotal evidence and variation of morphological characteristics and uh, how they may be linked to different prey selection across uh, the population of green pythons. And so they uh, looked at uh, five different populations of green pythons throughout New Guinea and in Australia. Uh, so, as I guess as an introduction, um, I'll talk a little bit about the uh, intraspecific variation. So, um, morphology can change and, and be different between uh, species that are closely related. And uh, there's different form and function from, from these closely related, related uh, species, and this is a common occurrence in reptiles. Um, environmental factors can influence this, and the literature demonstrates many uh, factors, including season and climate, uh, prey size and abundance, interspecific competition, and, and other, you know, some random effects that can influence this. Uh, one of the cool examples that they cited in the introduction of the paper was uh, the difference in uh, head and body size between island and mainland populations of European adders, uh, viper abaris, and uh, grass snakes, natrix, natrix, uh, due to differences in prey size. That's you know kind of neat. I guess it, it makes sense. You know this fits in with uh, Darwinian evolution, where you know the selection from the environment uh, can have a great influence on morphological features in animals. One of the best examples is the finches in the Galapagos where they have different beak uh, structures to uh, monop you know, to capitalize on different types of seeds or, or food sources. So we see the same thing with reptiles here. And so they uh, kind of hypothesize that, you know, because gape size is limited in snakes and they can only eat something as big as they can open their mouth for, uh, their body features may adapt to accommodate available prey. So differences in, in morphological structures are likely due to differences in prey. Um, so they set out to, to look at this over the population of green pythons. Now, um, green pythons, uh, in a paper written in 2003 by Rawlings and Donilon, they, show, they used uh, mitochondrial and nuclear DNA sequencing to uh, show strong support for a monophyletic mitochondrial lineage. I guess, you know, in layman's terms, they, they show a deep divergence between north and south populations uh, on New Guinea and suggest that there is uh, two species of green pythons. Um, of course, the uh, southernmost animals were discovered first, and so they would retain the name uh, Morelia viridis. Uh, the other, the northern population, the first individual found up there was was named Condorpython azurius, uh, but with the switch to the genus Morelia, uh, it would be Morelia azuria. Now, 
you know, taxonomy is not my strong suit, so I do not know why they show this big difference, but then don't make, you know, new species. It's kind of strange to me, but uh, that's tax taxonomy, I guess. <laughs> not one of my strong suits, but eh, what do you do? Um, other papers by Natouche, uh, as well as those uh, done by uh, Dave Wilson, have given a, a wonderful insight into green tree python, uh, natural history, and uh, different aspects of their ecology, as well as you know some evolutionary uh, things. So I, I would suggest you know reading those papers as many as you can, as you can get your hands on. They're they're great papers and give a nice insight into to what a green tree python is. Uh, Daniel also came and spoke at the, uh, the green tree uh, symposium that they had a little while back out on the east coast and, and gave a really nice talk out there. And he's also done a couple of radio interviews um, with some of the uh, uh, radio shows like Morelia Pythons Radio and uh, the uh, I think the Green Tree Keepers Radio, something like that. So yeah, he's he's uh, out there, put, you know, making his research known and and kind of giving us uh, uh, an insight into his research. Um, also, uh, Nick Mutton interviewed him on on the uh, Herp Nation radio, so that's a really good interview. You check that one out as well. So, uh, what what they did to look at these morphological features? Um, they took nine hundred and eight adult green tree pythons. Now they stress adults because you know some variation uh, occurs between adults and juveniles and that's been shown in in previous papers that there is some morphological difference between adults and juveniles so they only selected adults and that means uh, for for them the cutoff was about 91 centimeters or um, 35 inches for males and 112 centimeters or 44 inches for females and so um, they had kind of a spread of 63 animals from Aru, uh, the Aru archipelago, uh, 208 from the Australian population, and 420 from the island of Biak, and then 176 from northern populations, and 41 from southern uh, New Guinea populations. So the, the animals, uh, they, they also included animals over 70 centimeters or 27 inches in the food analysis study. Uh, because that's what they figure uh, separates, you know, or get, makes uh, is a size that they can handle a mammal. If I can get that out. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the results they they found that females were always bigger than males, and this was significant. So uh, mean body, mean adult body size was uh, also significantly different between populations. So they showed that the Australian green tree pythons are the smallest at around 105 centimeters or 41 inches with females around 125 centimeters or 49 inches. So um, that makes sense. I mean if if you've uh, looked into the Australian pythons they're a little bit smaller in body size. Um, the, the, uh, they report that the uh, southern New Guinea individuals had the largest um, body size with an average of 126 centimeters or 49 inches in males and 141 centimeters or 56 inches in females. Um, but yeah, I, I maybe uh, might disagree with this a little bit because it's the largest individuals they found were found on Biak, and these were um, you know a, a little bit larger than or they were larger than any other individuals found. So 160 centimeters for uh, a male 
at uh, 63 inches and, and 172 centimeters, 68 inches for a female. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I wonder, because uh, Bioc is so heavily collected for the pet trade, um, if, you know, the size sizes are somewhat skewed on that island? I'm not sure, but you know, I, I just wonder where they found the largest individuals on that, on the island of Bioc, yet uh, they say that the uh, southern... And, you know, the average size of the Southerns was larger, but I think that might warrant some uh, investigation, possibly. But it might make sense in a, you know, kind of a clinal uh, spread from south to north that the northern might be bigger, but that's just my uh, wild speculation. <laughs> so Australian pythons also had a higher mass to body length, so they're kind of shorter, but they weigh a little more. Um, this could have been due to... Uh, collection bias because the Australian individuals were collected in the field, weighed, measured, and then then were released uh, right after that. Whereas um, the ones from New Guinea were opportuni oppor <laughs> opportunistically collected uh, from collectors that were you know bringing them in for the pet trade, and so um, they may have been in kind of poor circumstances for a few days before they were measured, which as we know, it can have, you know, an effect on on a green tree python. Uh, no water, no food, kind of poor conditions. They can decline uh, somewhat rapidly. So uh, it's possible but that that, that played, a, play a, played a role, and, and the authors state that in the manuscript. So, um, you know, that's something to keep in mind when, when doing uh, such studies, that, you know, you need to control factors like that. Um, and then, you know, I, th I think they did as much as they could, but that's a difficult thing. It's hard to go out and find 900 uh, pythons in the bush, so <laughs> it's a great effort. Uh, so um, they also showed that uh, the Australian populations not only were the largest in, in relate, you know, heaviest in relation to length, they also had the widest heads out of any w wide, uh, the widest heads, not whitest heads. <laughs> um, so the... Uh, the only other different population that they found that differed significantly was the uh, long head size in Biox. And this probably comes as no surprise to anyone who's familiar with green tree pythons that they have kind of that long dragon-like head, right? And so um, they, they quantified this and, and demonstrated this empirically. Now, this is what, you know, might be lacking. You know, there's a lot of claims that are made in, in herpetoculture the, you know, for one thing or another, like like this is a great example. They made, you know, herpetoculturalists have made claims that there there are these differences, but nobody has gone and and quantitatively demonstrated this. And so, it's nice that uh, uh, Dr. Natush uh, took this on uh, to to do so. Um, this is somewhere where you know we could contribute to the greater body of science as, as herpetoculturalists where you know you don't have to necessarily have a degree to uh, participate in scientific studies and and we can generate some interesting and useful data uh, that could potentially be published so you know look for that look for these things these claims that are made and see see how we can contribute and make a difference and contribute to the to the body of science um, these were these three features were the only things that they showed to be uh, very distinct, and it's interesting that it occurred in the two populations that had recently, you know, been split off from their mainland counterparts. So, the Australian population and the Bioc population. So, uh, you know, it's kind of something interesting to to look at. But they are also 
um, potentially more uh, drastic changes, I guess. You know, when whenever you're split off onto an island, you know, you're you're subjected to potentially different factors than those uh, animals that stayed back on the mainland, and so uh, that could potentially contribute to that as well. Uh, so, in in regards to prey selection. Um, they didn't really find any major differences between prey type uh, across the different populations. So these uh, differences in morphology were not uh, you know, accounted for by differences in prey. So I guess their, their null hypothesis was rejected in this regard where they thought that maybe prey played a role in that. Uh, you know, the, the prey selection was typical across the populations of the different green tree python uh, groups and so um, juveniles ate skinks or you know other reptiles primarily and adults uh, primarily consumed mammals uh, you know for a long time people thought that uh, green pythons you know fed largely on birds and several studies have demonstrated that that is not the case and, and birds are taken up only rarely and opportunistically maybe uh, Natushin and Lyons uh, suggest that about 2% of the diet is made up of birds across you know, all green python populations. Um, now there is a little bit of a, a variation with the females. They'll, they'll actually take reptiles uh, quite commonly uh, as adults. And so this differs from males, which pretty much focus on, on mammals. And the authors kind of hint that this is potentially uh, some niche divergence. Uh, so maybe, you know, based on, based on gender. So that's something interesting to, to think of. Uh, I, I, I like the story that Natush uh, Daniel t tells on uh, Nick's interview with him on, on the... Um, his radio interview that he did a while back, but he tells a story about uh, finding green tree pythons near magnetic starling nests, and the there's you know tons of different uh, snakes like the water pythons and uh, slaty grays and different snakes that are they're trying to get you know baby birds that are falling out of the nest or trying to get up to the nest to eat the adults and the babies or whatnot, and the green tree pythons were completely ignoring the birds and sitting on the fringes waiting for any mammal to pass by. So, you know, they had great opportunity and, and large amounts of birds, but they ignored them in, in favor of mammals. And so they are mammalian feeders. Um, this was a, a, a great article. I think there's some neat insight into the natural, further insight into the natural history and built on what uh, they had done in the past as well as what others like Wilson have done in the past. And so another uh, great article by Natush. Um, he also identifies those uh, morphological differences between different populations. So another nice informative uh, piece of information for us. Um, I encourage you to read the article. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you, if you disagree with something I said or, or if there's other insights that I missed and uh, post up on the uh, Herpetological Discussions Facebook page, and uh, I look forward to your uh, contributions. Anyway, uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see you in the discussion forums.